We're going to be looking at an event the Lord has recorded in the book of Luke, chapter 8. And we're also going to be looking at Mark's account of this, which gives a little more detail. So what I would do is I would open your Bibles to the book of Luke, book of Luke and Mark both Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8, because we'll go back and forth a couple of times between those two books. Sometimes it comes across. I was talking about in a conversation with my brother Mike Loveless earlier this morning. Men, God has chosen men to get up and preach his word before men. Let us never forget. Men are just that. At best, we are sinners saved by grace, just like anyone who belongs to the Lord Jesus. And we're capable of error in our words, just as anybody else. Our desire and our goal and our focus is always to stick with the Word of God. When we start trying to interpret the Word of God according to what we think we know, we will err, and error much. That's why Paul says, I wish to know nothing of you, save Christ and Him crucified. And sometimes, in speaking about faith, it may come across that we're putting too much emphasis on faith and not on what and where faith comes from. As children of God, you know where your faith came from. Those of you who are sitting here today, and I think most of those that are online with us, and I know by speaking to each of you that your faith is not something that you just conjured up. You didn't just one day get smart and say, oh, okay, I'm going to stop doing all the foolish things I've done in my life and I'm going to be smart." You didn't listen to somebody who could build you up through confidence in what you have done. God has given you an ear to discern truth. And truth is this. Truth is this. We are saved by grace. But don't stop there. It says through faith. Faith isn't going to save you. Jesus Christ saved you. What he did on that cross 2,000 years ago, a little over 2,000 years ago, shedding his perfect righteous blood for his people, that's what saved us. God's wrath had to be satisfied. All have sinned and come short of the glory of his for us to be reconciled to God blood had to be shed. But you cannot be saved without believing Christ. That's what faith is. It's believing. And we know through the preaching of God's Word over the time that God has had us coming uh, to, to churches, to the church, to Bible studies, to reading His Word, we know that that faith, that belief that we have is important. We know it didn't save us, but we know 
It is believing in the one who did save us. The gift of faith. Not of works, let's mention both. We all know in our own hearts. Now I'm talking to you folks that, are, that, that, believe, you, that believe Christ. You know in your hearts that if it wasn't for God and His power, His gift of faith, you would not believe His Word. And we know that because there was a time we didn't believe, isn't there? Wasn't there? Was there, not a, was there a time in your life when you didn't believe? Word had gone out about what the Lord had done in Gadara. You recall in our last message, He had gone across the sea, the demoniac man, He had cast out the demons. Did you... Did you stop to realize that when the Lord cast those demons out, when He was speaking to those demons, there was a bunch of people around. They had all seen what had happened. We know this because they ran into town and told those who owned the swine, those who fed the swine, hey, this guy out here who claims to be God just cast a whole bunch of demons and we saw them into a herd of swine and they ran off the cliff and died. So we know there were people who were witnesses of this miracle. What a miracle to go out and, and be spread around. That's, you know, we didn't have, they didn't have TV back then. There was enough people who saw it that the story began to spread. And word had gone out and people began to gather all around the Lord Jesus. They began to follow him everywhere he went, hoping to see one of those miracles. It had spread all around about what the Lord had done and this master of the Jews Jairus he came and he fell down at the feet of Jesus look at Luke chapter 8 verse 41 and 42 and behold there came a man named Jairus and he went and, and when he was a and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus feet and besought him that he would come into his house for he had one only daughter about 12 years of age and she lay dying but as he went the people thronged him picture this the Lord's walking along he says okay I'll go to your house with you and he's up and walking along and he, and he had been in Galilee in the different towns around Galilee he had already been in healing all kinds of folks as we remember reading back there in uh uh, Luke chapter 8 what verse was that and he went his way in, in verse 39 published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus no that's not the right word that's, I may be confusing that with uh, Matthew oh well so the Lord had gone out he had saved he had called the man out in Gadaria he had saved him from the demons they found him at the feet of Jesus in his right mind he had gone on now he was with Jairus and he was going along and there's all kinds of people around him. All kinds, I mean, just a huge crowd. Because this man had fell down at his feet and begged, begged the Lord to come into his house and heal his daughter. What a prayer you and I have for our loved ones, isn't it? Do we not, do we not cry to our Lord daily for those we love? I have a son and daughter 
of the grandchildren, <coughs> of the great-grandchildren. Oh, how I pray that the day will come when the Lord will call them out of darkness. Excitement was in the air. Have you ever been in a crowd of folks? Have you ever been football game, basketball game, you get a bunch of people together, you just can't help but join in with all the stuff that's going on. What excitement filled the air as they followed this man. This man who claimed to be God, the Messiah, the Christ, God incarnate flesh. And he had been backing up his claim by doing things that no one else could possibly do. I just told you, we just talked about the the, the, the Gadarean, the man of Gadara, and the devils themselves that were constrained to publicly acknowledge that the Lord was their God as well. He was the God with absolute power over them, as he has absolute power over all things. And now he's on his way to heal a young girl. She was at the point of death. And everybody wanted to see a miracle. So they followed the Lord closely. And they moved, and as they moved along, a poor, stooped over, anemic woman who had been plagued with an issue of blood for 12 years, made her way through the crowd. Look at verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her life upon physicians, all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood was staunch, was dried up. I can almost see her now. I've been in a mosh pit. You know what that is? Some of you may not know what that is. That's where you get down in a rock and roll band and you get down in the front of the stage and there's nobody sitting because people are so close. You can hardly breathe. Kathy, I remember remember her complaining that she couldn't breathe. She she had to get out of there because because she, it, there wasn't enough air for her. There were so many people in a tight spot that there wasn't enough air for a person her size to breathe. I can imagine the Lord on his way and all these people thronging. That's what the word throng means. Shoulder to shoulder, packed. Packed like sardines in a can. And she's trying to make her way to this one that she had heard about. Did you catch that? She had heard. Now remember, according to the Leviticus law, she was unclean. She wasn't even allowed to be on the streets during this time when others were. They were allowed to go those who were unclean were allowed to go out on the streets, but not when the rest of, not when the, not when the righteous people were out there. And yet here she is. People knew who she was. Maybe on her hands and knees, maybe. Everybody's so busy looking forward where they're walking, they don't notice this woman. 
crawling maybe, crawling out of desperation. Do you remember when the Lord brought you to know your desperation? I was on the road to Reno, a Reading. It's a three-hour drive in a semi to Reading. I was on the road driving up there, and I was listening to Harold Camping preach a message back before he got carried away with uh, the false doctrine of leaving the church. But the Lord used that man to speak to my heart one day. Talk. Only God can do this. Only God can grab a hold of one of his loved one's heart and pull out that old stony heart. Completely remove it. And put in a heart of flesh willing to love him. And in doing that, he's got to crush you. He's got to convince you that you need a physician. Picture this woman on her knees crawling to the Lord. She's done everything she can. She's gone to all the physicians there are. She spent all of her money. And she's got nothing left. I was thinking about this. Her issue. We've all got issues, right? Some of us have different kinds of issues, but her issue with blood. Her blood was not good enough. It did her no good. And she was brought to know that. No one could help her. She tried everything imaginable, yet she believed that Jesus of Nazareth was indeed the Christ. The Son of God. She thought if I could just touch the hem of his garment. That tells me this. Remember that poor publican we've spoken about so many times who's over on the side? You know, you've got the Pharisee who comes in and he's all proud of himself. He's wearing his clothes and he's pounding his chest about, Lord, I thank you that I'm not made like others. I do this, I do that. I thank you that I'm not made like that poor beggar over there. He doesn't see himself for who he truly is. God has brought this poor woman to the point of, if I could just touch, if I could just have a little of the grace, it would be enough. If I could just have a little bit of His grace, of His mercy, it would be all I need. And as soon as she touched Him, the Lord stopped in His tracks, feeling the virtue, the power go out of Him. And He turned around and He said, Who touched me? <laughs> Typical of Peter, wouldn't it? Typical of Peter. Look at verses 45 and 46. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee. 
and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody has touched me, for I perceive the virtue is gone out of me. So we see Peter, he jumps right up. First thing he does is, What are you asking us for? First off, you know everything. We know that of God, don't we? He knows everything. Why is he asking us? How can we tell? Everybody's pressing up against him. How are we supposed to know who you're talking about? Our Lord stopped in his tracks when he felt that virtue run, run up, come out of him, and he said, Somebody touch me. Just as this poor woman was immediately healed by her from her plague, when she touched the Lord, so are sinners healed of the plague of their hearts freed from the curse of the law and the guilt of sin as we touch the Lord by faith. We touch Him by faith. Mark gives us a little more detail of this account. So I want to pick up the rest of this morning's subject with that. In Luke chapter 8, verse 43, we read these words, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years which had spent all her life all her living upon physicians neither could be healed of any now look over at mark if you would flip over to mark and look at mark chapter 5 verse 25 through 26 and we see and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. There's no greater evidence of our total depravity than by the nature and by nature the fact that we will incur diseases and get sick and die. That's how depraved we are. All sickness. That heart that they've got to go in and repair, Brother Mike, they got to go in and repair it because we were born in sin. God cursed the whole earth, folks. Everything. The very ground that we walk on is cursed because of sin. Everything dies. That's why everything will have to be burned up. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven and the old earth, they're all full of sin. Now, this old flesh that we walk in today, that can't go into heaven. That's got to be transformed. The Lord may do it when He returns from heaven on the very blink of an eye. He may transform His people at that point. But at one point or another, we must leave this flesh behind and be given a new body. This woman's sickness was a specific, specific example of sin and the curse of God's law upon us all by nature. Her sickness, her unceasing issue of blood, was something that made her ceremonially unclean. We all come into this world with a sickness that makes each and every one of us unclean, unfit to be in the presence of God. To be in the presence of God, to be fit in the presence of God, you must be as righteous as God himself. 
man doesn't believe that. Oh, I'm not that bad. If, if, you, if you just fan my flame a little bit, if I just fan my flame a little bit, you'll see there's some light there. God's people know just as that beggar, just as that publican, just as that woman, that there is nothing good of this flesh that stands before you. I'm not deserving to stand in the presence of God. And we know it. We've been brought to know it. Everything we've done all of our lives has brought us nothing. And here's what's bad about it. Here's what just amazes me about it. We didn't know it. Until the Lord showed us the truth. The truth of His glory. The truth of His righteousness. We had no idea how deep we are. We were in depravity. Mike wrote a poem about it. Something to do with the, how dark is your life. i got to get a copy of that, Mike. So I, so I quit misquoting quoting it. See if you can find that for me, will you? I know Norm Wells wants to read it, too. This lady had an issue of blood for 12 years. She was ceremonially unclean, according to the Levitical law and, uh, given to us in Leviticus 15.25. Because of a disabling sickness that was killing her, this poor soul had suffered many things from many physicians, as we read in Mark's version of it. She had been to every doctor in town, including the quacks, the snake oil herbalists, and the faith healers. And they were all countless, and they are all countless physicians of no value. Did you catch that? They were all physicians of no value to the souls of men. That's what we read in Job 13.4. But ye are forgers of lies. Ye are all physicians of no value. Don Fortner had some things in his commentary, some statements in his commentary, and I, I thought this was good. I just I want to share it with you. She went to, uh, she may have gone to Dr. Decision. Dr. Decision tells sinners that they can be saved if they will simply make their decision for Jesus. Do you think that helped her at all? She still had her issue, didn't she? Dr. Begood exhorts the sinner to reform his life. You think she changed her life? Said she did everything. She spent all that she had. She went to all the doctors. Dr. Free Will admonishes the sinner to will himself into life. Yeah, you're sick. That's all right. Will yourself out of it. You can get out of this. Let me pump you up. Dr. Ceremony urges the poor soul to observe religious ordinances and sacraments to get the grace that they need. If you'll just do this, God will be gracious to you because you have earned it. Dr. Right Church tells poor souls that they can be made whole if they get into the right church. 
Dr. Excitement urges the sin, the sin sick soul to seek a miracle, to speak in tongues, to pray through and wrestle with God until He gives them what they ask of Him. Did you know that prayer change is exactly that? If we get more people to join in a prayer chain, maybe God will change His mind and fix whatever it is. I'm not speaking wrong against those who pray to God earnestly. I'm talking about those who think they're going to change God's mind by praying and getting more people to pray for them. Dr. Emotion prescribes introspection urging dead sinners to look within themselves for feelings of repentance. To look within themselves for the sorrow for their sins. To look within themselves rather than looking or rather than longing for Christ. We are also told that this poor dying woman, she had spent all that she had. Just like those that are described in Isaiah 46.6, lavishing out everything from the help for the help of idols. They had gone about making all kinds of different idols. They had gone about spending every dime they had on gold and silver and idols that they could hold in their hands, which was nothing but worthless. Positions of no value is what, what they were. And she was nothing better for all that she had done. What a picture of religion without Christ. I was listening to a message earlier this week. And I heard all the right things. The man speaking of God spoke all the words of the Bible as it was stated in the Word of God. And afterwards I sat there and I thought to myself, where was the blood? Where was the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in laying down His life? Where is the healing word of God that I, this broken soul, needed. Religion without Christ is exactly that. There are positions of no value. Consider with me the crowd for just a moment. Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee and sayest thou who touchest me. That was Luke chapter 8, verse 45. Listen to Mark chapter 5, verse 24 through 27. And Jesus went within him, and much people followed him. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. Like the crowds that had pressed the Lord Jesus, people come to church. They profess faith and they claim to follow Him for many different reasons. Some being stirred by religious excitement. 
be surprised how many people love to go to church just to hear the bands. I've had people say, do you guys, do you guys have any uh, good music at your church? I said, well, yeah, we sing the old hymns and praise our Lord and give Him all the glory. No, nah, but do, don't you have any of that new stuff, you know? I mean, uh, what's his name, something Tan, Tanner, something like that. I don't know. Don't you, don't you guys have any of his music? No? Oh, okay. Never saw them coming through these doors. We were at a church one time. A man had come here, and uh, I agreed, all right, I'll go to your church with you because you came to mine. I've done that twice. I'll never, ever, ever do that again. And they had fog blowing across the stage behind the guy who claimed to be a preacher. I, I don't even remember what he said. I got to a point where I wouldn't even listen to him anymore. And I asked the guy, I said, what's the fog for? Why do they have fog? We're in a building. And they got fog blowing across the stage. What in the world is that for? Oh, that's just to highlight things and to put an effect behind the music to get you to come forward. That's what religious people do. They go to church. They go to church just so they can have a party. Many do so because they fear going to hell. Crowds of people thronged our Lord, it says, but this one, this one believed him in who he was, was doing all she could to touch him. Lord, draw us to follow her example. Now consider the cure, if you would. Verses 45 and 46 of Luke chapter 8, And Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, what the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that the virtue has gone out. Now listen to Mark's, if you would. And when she had... Wait a minute. Yeah, Mark chapter 5, verse 27 through 30. And when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind him and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt her body that she had healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. This is verse 34. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, there are several things here which ought to catch our attention. Many reading this story might miss it, important aspects of it, and they put all the emphasis on the woman. Inspiration puts all the emphasis on the woman only as the recipient of mercy and the benefactor of God's grace. But insofar as the act of mercy and the work of grace are concerned, the emphasis must be placed on the Savior who gives the acts of mercy and the acts of grace. This woman was made whole in exactly the same way that you and I have been made whole. 
exactly as all of God's people are made whole through the grace of God, and that is through the grace of God and His Son, the Lord Jesus. She was made whole by a five-fold work of God, and I want to point these out to you. The first is the work of providence. Was it an accident? Was it just by chance? Was it just, well, perhaps at this moment in time, this man came to the Lord Jesus, and all these people were following him, and it was just a it was just a random day passed by, and the and this woman who had had an issue, oh 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 what? There goes the Lord. Maybe I can touch his hem of his garment. Was this all just by random? That's what the world may teach. God has done all that He can. By chance, will you accept it, folks? We don't preach anything but sovereign ruler God of all that is there is no such thing as chance God purposed Jairus to come to him that very day God had purposed him so that he would agree at that moment I'll come to your home and we're going to look at that next week where he heals the daughter of Jairus but this week we're looking at this woman that God had purposed to be there at that very time do you know God has purposed you to be here right now every one of you and he has purposed every person that is not here today to be not here He's purposed everything, or He's not God. Our Lord performed a work of providence here that very day. He was planning and had purposed from before the world was to heal this woman just as He was purposed to heal you. That which was the destruction and the death of this woman was the instrument of God to bring her to His mercy. By His wise and gracious good providence, the God of all grace brings chosen sinners at their appointed time of love to, to Himself. Secondly, we see the work of the Word. She came to Christ in faith when she had heard of Jesus. Isn't that what we read back there in Mark chapter 5, verse 27? When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. It was a work of the word. No one is ever saved apart from the hearing of Christ the hearing of the gospel. God never bypasses the appointed means of His grace. Thirdly, we see a work of grace. The grace of God is not verbally mentioned in the text, but it is written all over it, is it not? Grace had chosen a certain woman that we read about. Grace had brought the Lord Jesus to pass her by. Grace had caused her to hear about Him. And grace gave her faith and wrought faith in her. 
Turn over to Colossians chapter 2. We'll come back to our text there in Luke in just a moment. Colossians, right after Philippians. We've got Ephesians, Philippians, <coughs> Colossians. Just a small book, and I keep passing by it all the time. There we go, Colossians. Nope. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. <coughs> Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. The operation of faith from God, of God. Fourth, we see a work of faith. This woman's faith is like all true faith. It was a gift of God, yet it was her faith. She chose to come to Christ. She chose to believe on the Son of God. She was made willing in the day of His power, but she was willing. She was caused to come by the sweet constraint of grace, but she did come. Fifthly, we see a work of omnipotence. The all-knowing God, the arm of God's omnipotent grace, almighty, irresistible power, bringing this poor soul to pass exactly according to he his everlasting purpose of love and grace. The virtue went out of the Savior to this woman. It was his own omnipotent grace. That was the virtue. Now I want to consider the confession. It says in Luke 8 verse 47, And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people, that means everybody around, that entire throng was listening to her. Remember the Lord stopped. They were listening to her. And she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him. This is why I touched you. And how she was healed immediately from it. Now listen to Mark's version of it. or You can turn over to Mark chapter 5, verse 30 through 33. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touchest me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all truth. You think our Lord asked who touched me because he didn't know? No. What did that do by the Lord asking that question? He caused her Blessed is the man whom God will call and cause. He caused her to confess by faith that he is God. In Romans 10.10 we read these words, With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This woman came 
and told the Savior in front of everybody publicly all truth. She told the Lord Jesus about her plague, the power of his grace she experienced within, and the cure of his omnipotent mercy had been wrought upon her. Folks, we don't need to blow our trumpets out in the streets and force others to hear us when they choose not to. However, it is required that we identify ourselves with Christ and his gospel publicly. The people of God are not ashamed to confess Christ before men, both in believers' baptism and as his witnesses. This woman's confession did not cause her to be healed any more than the believer's confession of Christ causes him to be saved. Our confession of faith in Christ is not a confession made that we might be saved, but a confession made of salvation granted to us. With our mouths we make confession with reverence to the salvation, with reference to the salvation that Christ has bestowed upon us. And lastly, I want to consider this, her commendation. And he said unto her in verse 48, Daughter, be good, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Here our Lord Jesus is declaring the source of comfort. It is faith in Him. He also commends faith, that great work of grace of which He Himself is both the object and the author of it. Nothing brings such glory to Christ as that faith which looks to Christ for everything. Nothing is so useful to our souls as the faith in Christ. The believer's life is a life of faith in Christ. We begin in faith, we live by faith, we stand in faith, we walk by faith. We have peace with God through faith. We see the glory of God by faith and we die in faith. We were talking about that earlier. So many we know and love come to that door marked death and are so so afraid. I don't want to be afraid either. But if I'm not, it's because I believe him who says not to me. Folks, nothing is more important than this. The words of our Savior Himself. Do you, dost thou believe on the Son of God? The primary object of this miracle is not the woman's great faith, but our blessed Savior's great grace. Though at the time unknown to her the faith she had in Him, was faith he had given her and bestowed in her by his spirit. Look with me, if you would, at Colossians 2 one more time. Again, beginning at verse 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, 
buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through faith. Through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sin, and of the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, made alive, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, that was against us, which is contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let this be a point of personal self-examination for each and every one of us. Is my faith real? Do I say that to scare you? No. Our Lord tells us, examine yourselves. Am I in the faith? Is my faith real? If my faith is in Him and Him alone, and there's no faith, there's no confidence in this flesh, but I can trust everything He says, and I believe all that he says. And my faith is in him, not in this flesh. Do I have faith? Absolutely. My trusting in him is a work. I don't even trust that. But I can trust him who puts, who does a good work in me. If he has begun a good work in me, you know what it says in Scripture? He'll finish it. Now let me let me uh, let me just quote that correctly. I'll turn over here to Ephesians chapter two. That at the time, verse eleven, wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by the hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Oh, I went too far. Actually, I want to back up and read verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. What is that good works? It's faith in him, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Your faith is in the Lord Jesus. 